0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Podcast. I am Casey Thomas and this week I want to talk to you about stimulant use and how people are chasing the limitless drug. But before I do, if you can, please be sure to leave me a rating and review. It really does help me out a whole lot, and I love reading your guys' feedback. Uh, It helps me come up with new episode ideas, and it also just lets me know what you want to hear, what you like, what you don't like. If you can also, please do subscribe. It helps me out a whole lot, and I want you to be the first to know when I have new stuff coming on out. So with that out of the way, I want to dive into stimulant use in sports as well as in you know the academic setting as well as all over the place really <laughs> the business world everybody's trying to use some stimulants to try to help them out so this is a huge topic and i'm going to actually break it up into probably a four part series because there's really just so much to cover here so the first topic I want to go into I think is just stimulant use in general, different kinds, you know, what they're doing, all that kind of stuff. And then I think in, you know, next week and the week after that, I'll do a research review, probably in Adderall, because that is the buzzword that is the hot item that everybody's been asking me about lately. So I want to do it it's it's fair justice and really dive deep into some some big research studies looking at that compound. And then I can close up with the last week with just some final thoughts kind of what the takeaways are. So I'll I'll try to give you takeaways and I'll try to make every single episode useful, but that's the structure that I want to do for this because uh, I know you're busy. (laughs) You probably don't have time to sit down and just listen to me rant about stimulants and Adderall for an extended duration. So we're trying to keep these bite-sized, but that's what we're going to do, okay? So let's, let's just get right in, shall we? The first thing I want to say is There are very few studies, okay, very few controlled studies with stimulants uh, like amphetamines and cocaine in athletes or in healthy individuals. Anecdotally, okay, (laughs) anecdotally, there's a lot of data. Everybody seems to believe that stimulants are improving every aspect of their performance, and it's clearly lifting people's moods, right? Everybody who is on these compounds feels amazing. And there is data, okay, there is data to show that stimulants can be useful in extremely sleep deprived individuals or fatigued individuals. But we have little to no data that it takes someone from, you know, say they're healthy, functioning normally, they're at 100% capacity, and that taking a stimulant is going to take them above and beyond that, you know, to 110%, something like that. And so that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about today is just, you know, the history and what each of these compounds do and what we can expect. So I will say that, you know, stimulant use in sports does have a rather long history. You do see, like I said, that a lot of people make a lot of bold claims about it. Okay. So it's not just sports, all right. It's business executive, it's college campus kids, all these people, you know, they, they jump to things like cocaine. They say it lifts their mood and it, you know, makes them feel like gods, right. It makes them feel amazing. And when you look at the win rates though, of sporting Uh, sports teams or individuals who are competing in sports to, you know, the people who are using versus the people who are not using, you actually see that there's no difference. And when you look at success rates of, you know, business executives and things like that, of people who, you know, are known habitual users or not, or, you know, people who admit There isn't really much of a difference there either. So it's kind of confusing. We have this paradoxical observation that it's like, I feel great. I'm going to use this. It's going to help me, you know, all this kind of stuff. But when you look at the data, it seems like there's really no benefit coming from it. So the first one I want to talk about is cocaine. This is one of the most popular recreational drugs. It's uh, most frequently used through an inhalation method through snorting it. If it it is absorbed in this manner, you will see peak effects occurring maybe 5 to 15 minutes after ingestion, and the effects can last for up to an hour, okay? It is highly addictive, (laughs) and the reason why is because when you snort cocaine, it releases dopamine, and that's that feel-good neurotransmitter, that's that feel-good Thing in your brain that tells you, "Hey, I'm rewarded. I love this." Okay, so you feel good after it. But for anyway, so for ethical and practical reasons, though, most of the knowledge that we have of cocaine comes from animal studies. All right, we can't just be enrolling people into research studies and having them all snort cocaine. Okay, we know this has bad side effects, and there's a lot of ethical. Qualms with trying to force people to do this, but some of the the responses to cocaine use are uh, constricted blood vessels, dilated pupils, increase in temperature, increase in heart rate, increase in blood pressure. It also seems to increase motor activity. It also seems to increase talkativeness, and it also seems to induce euphoria. Okay, it makes you feel amazing. And how it usually goes is they feel an initial rush, an initial rush. You know, they feel great, they have more energy, they're more alert, but the effect quickly wears off. And this frequently leaves people feeling down or more depressed than they were before they even started, you know, ingesting the cocaine. And what this does, this down feeling tends to lead to an addiction because they're going to seek out more cocaine, sometimes just to feel normal. All right. And what you see is that over time, there is a little bit of a decrease in sensitivity to the cocaine, and so more is needed, and m- not only is more needed, but it's needed more frequently to achieve that same high. Despite all these feelings, though, and despite all these anecdotes, we don't really have any data that cocaine can enhance performance, whether it's in on the job, in sports, at school, or even during sex, which is another frequently cited use case for cocaine. And quite in contrast to all of these claims is we see that long term use of cocaine actually impairs concentration, it makes you more irritable, it decreases uh, ability to store memories, it makes you paranoid, decreases energy, it makes you anxious, uh, and it actually decreases interest in having sex so not only do we have these you know quite contrary uh, long term effects for cocaine use, but we have a lot of short-term rather dramatic fatalities that occur as a function of using cocaine typically it's through some kind of coronary occlusion that occurs in athletes who you know decide to take it and, and normally where it's really dangerous is if the athlete decides to really intensely exercise right after ingestion so there are a lot of reports of misuse and abuse of this drug uh, in athletes and others and this is a problem Okay, so that's, that's cocaine. The next one I want to talk about is amphetamine. All right, and this is an interesting one because this one was created over a 100 years ago. It became popular in the Second World War. It was used predominantly to reduce fatigue and increase alertness in our combat soldiers. They were frequently having to stay awake for extended durations, and they needed help staying awake and being vigilant. Okay, They needed to pay attention to things or else they could die. And so amphetamine was used to, to help. Some other use cases, amphetamines have unsuccessfully been used or been prescribed for nasal decongestion um, as an antidepressant, as an appetite suppressant, and it didn't really pan out like we wanted to. Um, but we did know it was a powerful stimulant, okay? It, it stimulates the central nervous system. And how it works is it specifically stimulates the activity of noradrenaline and dopamine. And this will you know, make you feel more alert and also make you feel happy (laughs) with the dopamine, okay? Some things to know about amphetamines are that it is readily absorbed. It will peak in the blood about one to two hours after administration. It's usually fully absorbed by, you know, two, two and a half to four hours, so it's a little bit slower than cocaine, okay, and that's usually because the route of ingestion is different. With amphetamines, we're usually going for an oral ingestion, whereas with the cocaine, we're going through a nasal ingestion. So amphetamines, they operate a little bit slower, and they last a little bit longer. Uh, there are many of the same reports of positive effects from amphetamine use as from cocaine. Okay, we're seeing people report increases in energy, increase in mental aptitude, increases in talkativeness, uh, increase in restlessness, increases in excitement, increases in good humor. People also say they feel more confident, more efficient, more ambitious. These are all some of the many claims of amphetamines, okay? But there are also some negative effects, and these are well-known, and people will will tell you these too. Um, If you take too much of it, okay, there's there's definitely reports of people getting more anxious, more indifferent, uh, more slow in their ability to reason things because their brain is just, you know, going so fast that it's actually interfering with their ability to do stuff irresponsible behavior, okay? It decreases your inhibitions, being more irritable, dry mouth very common, (laughs) Uh, tremors, messes with your ability to sleep, rightfully so because it's supposed to help you stay awake, and there's also withdrawal symptoms, which can lead to depression. Similar to cocaine, tolerance does develop rather rapidly. When we look at all the metrics that we can think about, It seems that amphetamines are having essentially no effect on physical performance measures or mental performance measures, for that matter, that we can measure. The only case that we have found where it has shown to enhance performance is when the individual is fatigued or sleep-deprived. Okay, so in individuals who are fatigued or sleep deprived, there is data to suggest that amphetamine use will restore some of that performance that is lost. Now, this is very different from going from 100 to 110%. This is just a restoration of lost performance as a function of being fatigued. So, this is inferior to just getting a good night's sleep, (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. Now, the last compound that I want to talk about in this first session is Adderall, which is gaining a lot of popularity. And it's related very closely to the amphetamines that I just went over. Adderall is a combination of amphetamine and dextroamphetamine. The mixture of those two is said to be stronger than either compound alone due to this unique blend. Okay, so something about this combination seems to produce enhanced effects when compared to one or the other alone. Now Adderall is one of the top 25 prescribed medications in the United States today. It is very common. It is running rampant in college campuses. I remember seeing flyers for people, you know, kids selling Adderall on campus as I was just walking down the road. It's it's kind of sad actually how widespread the use of Adderall is in college. Um, and, And it's not unique to that, okay? We're seeing it pop up in a lot of different places. We're seeing it pop up in the business world, in anywhere where high amounts of knowledge work are required. So people are turning to this with the belief that it can enhance their mental performance. Uh, we're, we're seeing it in, in certain sports that are on the more mental side of things. So it's becoming very popular in things like esports, things like NASCAR. Okay, very mental sport. We're seeing a lot of these athletes and these business types um, and these knowledge workers who are turning to Adderall to try to help them out. So between the two compounds, the dextroamphetamine portion Is a more strong stimulant on the central nervous system. The levoamphetamine, or just the amphetamine, it seems to have a more pronounced effect on your cardiovascular system and your peripheral nervous system, as opposed to the central nervous system. The levoamphetamine also has a longer half-life, so it stays in your system longer than the dextroamphetamine. Just so you know, you know, with the regular amphetamine use we were seeing, it was peaking pretty soon, you know, maybe an hour or two after ingestion. Well, for Adderall, the half-life is quite long. Okay, the half-life of the the dextro and levoamphetamine variations are 9 to 11 hours and 11 hours to 14 hours. So with this long half-life, it's going to be in your system even if you take it in the morning, okay? And what this means is it's bad for sleep, basically is what I'm trying to say here. So, This drug combination was designed with a specific purpose in mind, okay? It was designed to treat the clinical conditions of ADHD and narcolepsy. And the hallmarks of ADHD and narcolepsy are this deficiency in our dopamine and norepinephrine systems in our prefrontal cortex. So I just said a lot of big words, but basically it's these neurotransmitters in the front part of your brain. And the front part of your brain is the part of the brain that makes you uniquely human. Okay so this is the area where all of our consciousness and reasoning and all this stuff is occurring and so there's a deficiency in some chemicals in there and what what uh, Adderall does is it restores those levels to normal that's all it's doing okay and it makes sense okay so that's its mechanism and this medication is truly a game changer okay it is a game changer for these people with these conditions it works but the thing is we have very little data in how these medications interact with a healthy brain, okay? So what if you're not deficient in these chemicals in your brain? What if you take this medication, you're not deficient, it's not restoring anything, and now you're getting a extra amount of these things in your brain. And I'm going to talk about that in the, the next two episodes. I want to talk about Adderall use specifically in healthy individuals. But before I... we we part ways today, I want to say some other information about Adderall. One is drug tolerance develops quite rapidly if it is abused and withdrawal effects can occur within 24 hours and in fact it is very likely to get withdrawal effects with Adderall. It occurs in 88 percent of people who try to get off Adderall use and these side effects, these withdrawal symptoms, they last for three to four weeks. Okay, that sucks. Three to four weeks of side effects. And there is a very pronounced crash in the first week after you try to get off of it. We're talking things like anxiety, things like drug cravings, things like depression, fatigue, changes in appetite, changes in, you know, desire to move around, lack of motivation, sleep patterns are messed up. And, you know, the the, the quick of that is you want to taper your dose. You don't want to just go cold turkey. But it is... Either way, going to be a brutal process to get off of this compound. Now, on the flip side, if this drug is used at a clinical dose in the people who have these conditions, you know, narcolepsy or ADHD, this actually decreases risk for them for substance use disorders. And that's awesome. But in people who should not be using Adderall, it can cause all these problems. Okay. So... To summarize, Adderall definitely helps out in clinical conditions. We also have data from stimulants that they will help out in fatigued and sleep-deprived individuals. We also know that the abuse problems are quite severe. We also know that stimulant use doesn't seem to change win rates in sports, and it doesn't seem to change success rates in the business realm or in knowledge work realm, or in academic realm. And as a small spoiler, there is another compound that also helps fight fatigue. Okay, It's caffeine. (laughs) All right, I'll I'll stop there. We'll talk more next week, but uh, thank you so much for listening. I know you have other demands for your time, and your time is valuable, and I really, truly appreciate that you wanted to spend some time listening to me rant about you know, everything that I can uh, related to nutrition in the brain. I think this is going to be a fun little series. I've been getting asked all sorts of questions about Adderall use in particular. So I really wanted to do a deep dive into it. But if you can, please leave me a rating and review. Let me know what you're thinking about these episodes I'm putting out. I read 100% of what you guys send me. My email is rd at gmail.com. I really like to hear from you guys. Okay. Uh, if you can also please do subscribe it'll let you know when I have new stuff coming on out and I have a lot more and as you know I have these these next three episodes more on Adderall and stimulants so anyway I'm going to shut up I hope you have a good rest of your day take care